Hi, and welcome to Lily High on Life, a show I've been looking forward to doing for a really long time. It's about getting to know people a little bit better, getting to see how other people think and feel about life, and realising that your own life's pretty terrific. So for my guest today, I have an amazing man, Ethel Morris, who I'd like to welcome into the studio. Thanks, Lily. Ethel, one of the reasons that I asked you to come in and be my guest is because, first of all, you're one of the busiest retired people that I know, and you really are a model in what to do in retirement. Um, But also the other really big reason is that you've been married to your wife for 45 years, and you knew from the first time that you saw her that you were going to marry her and that that relationship has stayed all of those years. Take us back to when you first saw her. What did? What was it about her and what was the feeling and how long did it take you before you actually proposed? She will kill me for this. It was the <laughs> purple coloured bikini she was wearing at a friend's pool. I love that you still remember the colour of the, the swimsuit. Yeah. Yeah. And did she say yes when you asked her out? Um, That came a little bit later. I had to go past another couple of boyfriends. (laughs) (laughs) Clever girl. And what is it that's kept you together for 45 years? I think we're probably opposites. (laughs) So we don't compete. She does the sensible things and I do the silly stuff. And ups and downs or pretty much getting stronger and stronger? Stronger and stronger. (laughs) <laughs> Smart boy, now tell me the truth. <laughs> That's the truth. Do you, have? did you, especially in the beginning, they say that it's difficult the first year of marriage to get used to each other. What was your first year like? It's a long time ago. Yes. <laughs> oh, look, I think it was probably pretty good. And when the kids came along, do you remember if things changed a lot, if your roles changed, if the way you were with each other changed? I probably became less important. (laughs) But in your relationship with your wife, Mm. did you learn to be helpful? Did she give good advice on how you could help out? Look, she was amazing because I'd started my practice at that stage and I and we must the, say you're a chiro, you're a successful yeah. chiropractor. Yep. And I was at the office till very late at night, and I was a long way away from home, at least half an hour, 40 minutes. So I'd get home pretty late, and uh, she had a lot of work to do on her own. So let me come at this from another angle then. Mm-hmm. When you see your kids being parents now... How does that take you back to when you were a father? Are they? Do you see things that they are doing differently or things that they model after you? They're far more helpful to their wives than I was. And if you had it to do over again, now that you're at the end of it with all those long hours in between, what, what would you recommend the best way to father with young children is I've learnt a lot from them (laughs) (laughs) and from yourself as well from having gone through the experience Mm. Mm. I think I would probably have to help my wife more 
Okay. <laughs> so you were a very successful chiropractor. It was really interesting how you got into chiropractics. You were going to do medicine. And uh, tell us a little bit about that story. Well, I, I'd injured my back badly. and How um, so? Doing silly things and possibly there were problems to start with. Who knows? Um, I remember falling over on my back, ice skating and hurting myself badly. Um, if we cut a long story short, um, the surgeon was talking about surgery and I left his office and asked a friend of mine to take me to a chiropractor. And I had an epiphany on the table because I got on in pain and got off out of pain. And I said, that's what I want to do. And that's where I followed. And you, I, from speaking with you, you're very happy with the career path that you oh, chose. Absolutely. And tell people what you do now that you're retired from chiropractics with chiropractics. Well, um, I like to do the odd rural locum, but um, I, I, I now look after homeless people under bridges, etc. And you're not practicing... With chiropractic. Yes. So you're not practicing. You're actually a skilled professional who's doing something that's really helpful yep. and a little bit different mm. to help those. Yeah. Yeah, this is working and not getting paid for it. It's really <laughs> quite interesting. <laughs> and you fit that into other things that you're uh, that you're also doing. So, tell us a little bit about the martial arts. That's Arakan martial arts, which is a Burmese martial art. Mm -hmm. um, I enjoy it. I'm still able to do it. You started it about two years ago, so you already retired when you started doing it? No, no, I hadn't. I'd been doing something else for ten years prior to that. Which was? Which was um, um, various forms of street fighting and um, some Krav Maga. Yeah. And that's you need to do that on a regular basis to keep up. Sure. So ten years of... How many hours a week? Oh, you know, you 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 go to your class or you go to your your, your instructor, and then you 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 train yourself. The rest of the time, you have to practice. And what is it that keeps you going and practicing? Because we're in the middle of where we're starting winter here in Melbourne. It's not all, and then our summers are pretty hot, and you can find lots of excuses not to do that. What is it that that kept you going and kept you on schedule with that? With chiropractic. Um, no, with the martial arts. Oh, with actually. training. With training. Yeah. It's like anything. If you enjoy something, you do it. And so, was because you were enjoying it. Absolutely. Were there days you didn't feel like going? I can honestly say no. That's amazing. Yeah. I've just started Pilates, and there are already days I don't feel like going. I can see a but fabulous difference in you. <laughs> Just a little one, but, you know, it's, it's getting through that mindset and, and everything to actually do it. Um, and so in addition to um, the martial arts, in addition to the chiropractics, you've also gone back to a really strong love of yours, singing. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. 
tell us a little about that because we have a mutual friend in Los Angeles, Bennett Zimmerman, Correct. who uh, I believe has been a great uh, one of the people that really encouraged you to uh, to go back into that. Yeah, um, look, I've, I've for many years played around with uh, music, and over the last two or three, I've just gone. To a, into a greater involvement with it and thoroughly enjoy it. And so now you'll you you will actually get up and sing. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> why, would, if you enjoy it and you really like doing it, why would you um, not allow yourself that pleasure? It's like a lot of things. Some things are your own, and 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 I enjoy it for myself. And do you have you you started recording some of the, some of your music bits and pieces? Things. Yeah, and that's for your own pleasure. You don't share Absolutely. them with others. Oh, yeah, some of my friends. It's a wonderful and thing to have. Yeah, it's a wonderful thing to have. Yeah. Um, are you writing your own songs as well? That's something that I want to do. I was fiddling around with it, trying to get it right. And I suddenly realised that there was a there was a line that the thing that really became important was my future, just my past. And I thought, I don't want my future just to be my past, doing the same thing every day, walking around a table. And I thought, um, I'm out of here. And I went through to Pam and I said, I'm retiring in three weeks. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I love that you would... Even that you did it, not just <laughs> thought about it. But it's very true. So many people live completely in the past. Oh. They hold on to and remember things that are not helpful, that are hurtful, and yet they'll keep reliving them. Oh. And so they live with the past rather than the future. True. So what did Pam say to you as you, uh, as she saw you were seriously going to retire? She said, are you serious? I said, yes, and I'm going to go on a, on a, um, a winery tour around South Australia. Do you want to come? Ah, that was very smart. <laughs> Three weeks later, we went. That's awesome. Yeah. So what sort of things have you been, what, what have you been enjoying since you retired? I wouldn't say I sleep in. But it's just taking time. No, I time. wouldn't say you do either. <laughs> no, it's just it's just doing what you want to do. It's playing with the music. It's it's training. It's um, catching up with people. Um, Has Pam commented on any changes or how she feels about her life now with you retired? No, I think she thought I was driving her mad for a while. <laughs> but. Um, Maybe that's why she goes out a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, it's I've heard good. About it's that. good catching up with um, catching up with some old friends, mm -hmm. um, which is tremendous, and catching up with current friends as well. That's the other <clears> thing <throat> that's really special in your life. A lot of the friends that you have, you've had since school days. Oh yeah, some of my most important friends were those that uh, I went through school with, and you maintain that friendship throughout your life or you've reconnected with some now well, there was a hiatus with some but because of catching up once or twice a year uh, um, at a dinner that I that I like to organize in a restaurant um, we all get together again so that's reconnecting with people that probably I hadn't seen for a number of years and this has been going on for eight or nine years now 
you how did that annual dinner start because it sounds like a fabulous way to stay in touch it is i went out with uh, somebody or we went out as uh, as couples um and and another lot of friends said well the next time you're doing it invite us so we did and then the next time somebody else heard about it it just sort of spiraled and for quite some time it was dinner for, for 30 or 40 people which was couples um, and then it uh, you know it just seemed more logical just the just the boys because it was just the boys that went to school and so now it's about you know anywhere up to about 20 or so catching up nice That's and lovely. is it exclusive or can people that hear about it know the part of the group join in oh if they went to school with us ah <laughs> And if I liked them. Yes, also very important, and you're in charge of that kind of group. Absolutely. So you and Pam have three kids Uh who are all married Uh and having children of their own. Uh Tell me about each of your kids, what they're like, and the things (coughs) you really like in each of them. Let's start with, um, well, well, might as well start with your oldest son. Anthony, yeah. Um, Look. What kind of kid was... Did he remind you of you as he was growing up? What was he like? That's a really hard question because I, you know, adore each of them. Oh, I'm sure you do. um, Yeah, it's a hard question. Look, they loved their sport more than I did. Mm -hmm. They loved their football more than I did. So in a lot of ways, they, they, they were not emulating Dad. They were really doing their own thing, each of them. Um, uh, they had great friends. They had great relationships. And they caused me less stress than I think I caused my parents. Well, that's probably a good thing. <laughs> yeah. And what about when Nick came along? Oh, um, that was tremendous because he, he was the middle one and uh, he had his own personality. I mean, um, uh, you've got the older one and you've got the middle one that comes along and he has to show himself to be to be strong and tough and they'd have their fights, which was tremendous. And did you, um, so you were gone a lot during the week. Did oh. you have weekends oh, look, with the family? As much as possible, absolutely. And they were interested in sports and things, so is that what you primarily well, worked through with them? Yeah, absolutely. They, they went to um, Ajax footy and they played tennis, all that sort of thing. And then the youngest one came along. Did that change yeah. the dynamic a lot? Um, no. No, it was one of those things that uh, was a decision. Um, let's have another one. And who planned that, you or your wife? It wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> she decided she was going to have three. Okay. <laughs> and now that, um, and obviously you very much approved of each of their uh, the spouses that they mm-hmm. took, because you wouldn't tell me even if you didn't, but mm-hmm. I happen to know that they're, <laughs> yeah. they're all pretty terrific. Yes. Um, so do you, when do you get, do you have regular get-togethers outside of birthdays and holidays? Mm. Very often Friday night or weekends and those birthdays and things that seem to come along more often. Um, But we see a lot of the kids. And how do they interact with each other? What do they... 
What are their relationships like with each other? Fabulous. Fabulous. I couldn't be prouder of that. Always? As oh, they yes. were growing as well? Oh, you know, I mean, they had their fights, didn't they? But they would fight each other, but heaven forbid anyone would fight them. They would always stand up oh, for each other yes. and stay strong and, and stuff. I would, I would still feel that that would be the case now. Do you remember any particular incidents from when they were growing up that made you feel really proud <laughs> as a dad? The way they interacted with each other and, and the way they stood up for each other? Nick, the middle one, had to catch up to Anthony, the oldest. And there was a fight in the backyard, I remember it. Pam wanted me to break it up and I said, no, I'm going inside, they've got to sort this out. They didn't talk to each other for a couple of hours after that. I'm glad you said hours. <laughs> but it brought them closer together. You yeah, So you let them work out they their differences and, yeah, and everything yeah, else. You have to. You can't butt in. And did they take up martial arts as well? No. no Never. I, they think I'm crazy with it, I think. <laughs> did they help you repair old cars and things? And did they um, join you in that interest? From time to time. But I still think they thought I was crazy doing that too. So they always thought you were a little crazy? Mm, probably. <laughs> <laughs> What's the craziest thing that you did that really surprised them? I think it's a good thing for dads to be a little crazy in their kids' lives. I don't... Mm. Oh, look, I don't know. I think it's probably just having too many old cars around the place and doing them up and fiddling with them and... So they saw you had your own interests and oh. things like that oh. as well. Oh. Would you say they're closer to you, like if, if they've got things going on in their lives or they go to their mother first? Who do they go to? Or each other? I think they confide in each other and mum, and then I hear about it. <laughs> you hear about it later on? Yeah. You sort of assume that uh, other people's lives are going straighter than yours oh. because, as you say, everybody does have bumps in the road, but you don't know about or see anybody else's except your own. Well, that's correct, and I've always found that it's better not to know too much about everybody else's bends in the road. That's probably wise. You don't wise. want to be comparing your own life with somebody else. Ah, but you see, this is the purpose of this radio show, <laughs> Lily High on Life, because... Lily in, digging deep? Lily, well, it's not so much digging deep, but if when you realise that other people go through oh. traumas and things as well, it gives you a greater clarity about your own life. It's not oh. just about judging somebody else, it's about seeing that you too um, are like everybody else and it makes you feel a bit better. No? Yes? Yeah. <laughs> See, I was one of those people when Dr. Phil first put cameras in people's homes so you could see what was actually going on in people's homes. Thought it was just such a wonderful idea because anybody comes onto a television set or radio show and they look clean cut and they sound like everything's wonderful. But when the cameras are on, you see that other people, their houses are just like yours. Oh, yes, true. One of the one of the biggest things for me is uh, parents yelling at children. I'm sure your parents yelled at you when you were little as well. 
and when I see parents yelling at their kids in supermarkets or somewhere else, they love their kids. I mean, if somebody else treated their kids the way they do, they would have them arrested or have a conniption. But we go on automatic pilot and we do things the way we do things. So um, that's also the purpose of bringing out people a little more and talking about their lives, not to embarrass them, not to make them feel bad or anything like that, but just so that people relate their lives to those as well. Tell me a little bit about growing up as uh, as the son to your parents. Well, um, there was myself and my brother and uh, mum and dad and Nan. Nan was our nanny and she was uh, wonderful. Um, dad, of course, had um, been in the Air Force during the war for the five years so he was a he was a father coming back out of a military background mm-hmm. which I think in later years I've thought about it it must have been very hard um, they were pretty good parents they were terrific parents um, what do you remember while your dad was away about your mum and how she dealt with you? Obviously, I wasn't born till after the war. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Doing the wrong math there. <laughs> so you remember your dad being around a lot? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was, he was a medical practitioner. He was a rheumatologist. And he practiced through until he was 92. Gosh, that's he retired. Fabulous. He retired, went home, and um, then his old patients started to just visit him at home. Mm. And uh, there again was another part of um, myself at last. I didn't want to be in that same situation. I wanted there to be more to life than just doing the same thing. And he uh, he would have expected you to be a doctor as well? That uh, was the expectation from the time I was born. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So, so it was a bit of a shock when I when I defected. Right, but he saw how much you loved oh, yes. chiropractic. And to give him his due, um, you know, he, he um, um, encouraged me to do what I wanted to do. Gosh, that really is... That was really something back in those days. He didn't give you a hard time about it or anything. And your mother? Um, No, mum was... Mum was a mum of those... uh, of that time. Um, You know, dad made the... Dad made the the rules and Mum was quite happy to go along with things. And did she keep a stern eye on you as you were dating and um, and the relationship you had with your brother? Did she sort of steer that as well? Not really. No? You no, sort no. of had free reign? Pretty much. And what did she didn't know didn't hurt her. <laughs> what were some of the things she might have liked to have known from your high school days? Oh, look, that I wasn't where I was supposed to be studying. (laughs) I was out socialising, doing things like that. So you did a lot of that sort Mm. of thing. Is that something you looked out for with your own kids because you knew what you were like or you just trusted them? Oh, come on. (laughs) (laughs) No, they did pretty much their own thing too, I think. Who did worse, you or your own kids? 
I think I did give my parents more grief than my kids gave me. Mm. In fact, I'm sure of it. <laughs> and if you don't mind, your dad um, lived till 92. No, he lived till his 96th year. 96. Yeah, he's 95 and he's 96. Which is a really great innings, mm. but it's still tough when, I'm sure, when he went. Absolutely. Was he ill? Did you have time to come to terms with it? Or was there a feeling that, well, he's in his 90s and we know it's going to happen? Oh, absolutely. What was it like? Yeah, pretty much like that. I mean, even to this day, there'll be things that'll come up and I'll go, oh, I've got to tell Dad. Mm. Happens all the time. Mm. It's ridiculous. I had to take his phone number out of my phone because I kept on ringing it. Mm and getting told off by the person who now had his number. Oh, wow. You know, I'd say, hey, Dad. And the guy got to know. That it was you. Yeah, so I had to take his number out. And was it, what was the feeling like when you realised that you really lost a father? Horrific. Horrific. I don't know how people go through wars. Mm-hmm. Even losing nice. their families. Yeah. I just don't know how they how they cope. Was it the same or different with when you lost your mother? No, it was different because they looked after each other. All of a sudden it was up to us to look after dad. So it's a different thing. Mm. And all the focus was on looking after him. Mm. Did you have an expectation of what that was going to be like before it happened what it would involve no not really and everybody you and your wife and and your kids hmm. also all pitched in and worked it out together and my brother of course we had mm. to discuss it and eventually uh, eventually um decisions were made which dad was really happy with mm. and I'm sure he missed your mother a lot as oh, well. and that Terribly. So it's not just well, physically. 60, 65 years. 65 mm. years. Mm. You've got at least 20 more. Mm. Um, whereas, will she put up with me? <laughs> well, will she put up with you? That's a good question. <laughs> but we won't ask her. <laughs> That's better. Mm. <laughs> Don't ask. Um, so when... It's, it's the emotional burden of losing a parent mm. and then taking care of another parent as mm. well. Yeah. It's not just the physic taking care of the physical things that they need on a day-to-day basis. It's, it's dealing with your own grief as you deal with their grief as well, mm. which is a very different mm. thing. Mm. And your dad um, was... He he came to terms with that in terms of wanting to stay alive for oh, you and the grandkids absolutely because when 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 he went to his accommodation which was very nice accommodation i must say um we said to him well do you want to look around the house before you go he said no gosh and what was that like he was just, just looking man- forward yeah. and not looking back which is mm. so important yeah looking forward and mm. Um, and also keeping in mind what was going to make him feel better, mm. not what's going to mm. make him feel worse. Mm. And so, of course, you sold the f- the family home and mm-hmm. and their home and went through all the stuff. Was that a difficult thing with your kids getting rid of stuff you'd grown up, grown up with and or didn't really 
that wasn't really something that was an issue for you? No, that's that's not an issue. That's not really an issue. Mm. Looking through photos and realising you don't know anybody in the photos. Did you get rid of photos or did you yeah, keep the, the, them? There was just... there was. There were so many photos, and not knowing who the heck they were, they were photos that were taken on holidays of, you know, holiday yeah. snaps of people that they probably never saw after that photo. And so the grandkids that mm. you've got now, they're, I mean, your youngest is only two months, two, three mm-hmm. months old, yeah. and you've got another one on the way. Correct. And, and all of that. So... What does that do for you? Because you obviously are a deep thinker and the music you like and you get into and and all of that is, is meaningful, even though you're mm. very private about mm. it. But so tell me about when you're looking at your grandchildren and interacting with them and, and what you're seeing for them in the future and for yourself, because you've got at least 30 or 40 years to go. <laughs> God, uh, <laughs> fair enough. Um, look, they're going to—they're going to have their own lives, and their parents are going to watch their lives and and direct them. They're your grandchildren, and really, you—you you don't own those kids. You can't tell them what to do. You can have fun with them and enjoy them. So, when you see things that you might like to guide them, you stop yourself and sort of think, "Let their parents do that," or you have a bit of a say. Oh no, no, I would rather I'd rather discuss it with the parents than make a decision on something. Right. You know, because it's their kids. And I think back, I didn't want my parents telling us what to do with the kids. Or Did they? My in-laws telling us. Well. Possibly sometimes, but I, I, I think more than anything else, they told us their thoughts rather than imposed their their will on the, the grandchildren. Mm. Let me ask you, as you get older and you get more reflective and everything in your life, you're Jewish, but you're not really... Um, uh, you, you're just traditional mm. and the holidays and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Does does it have more meaning or do you connect more as you get older with your Jewish heritage, your roots? No, I just like the traditions. Obviously, Shabbat, evening, mm-hmm. Friday night. Um, but not really, no. Did you have regular Shabbat Friday night dinners with your kids as they were growing up? Absolutely, and we still do. You still do? Mm. You still have that Friday? Yeah. So they have yeah, that they very much, that the, connection They go to the in-laws, well. they go to us, but it, it's it's Friday night. Yeah, so that tradition mm. still holds. I know with my father, as he got older, he got more religious than he'd been when he was younger. He just felt this need. You've got all these other things that you're doing that keep you on that trajectory I think think life has changed hasn't it well life does change as you go Mm. along but the wonderful thing is that you seem to be doing more rather than less with your life correct did you like that? I realised that I can't just shrug the shoulders because no one can see it. <laughs> That's exactly I finally right. Finally <laughs> woke up to it. Yeah, good. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so you... And is does Pam also find that she's doing more things that she wanted to do or that she would have liked to do? Or is she... Does she have hobbies and interests like yours? 
Well, she um, she loves her Pilates like you do. <laughs> Not saying loves <laughs> yet. Um, and 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 having the little grandchildren. Yes. Um, looking after them, which is uh, she's got her days where she has one or the other of the younger ones and she loves doing that um and that's really brings a lot of joy yeah and 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 of course catching up with the playgroup mums yep her playgroup mums from her day oh uh, wow they still see each other oh absolutely that sort of thing yeah Welcome back to Lily High on Life and we have been talking to Athel Morris um, about his life and about his family and about what's important to him through his songs and uh, and a man who really knows how to make the most of his life at whatever stage he's at. So Athel, thank you very much. I really want to thank you for uh, coming in and doing been this with us. good chatting to you, Lily. It's been just lovely. 